Section five of the Shuans by Honore de Balzac, translated by Alan Marriage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. Chapter one E. The Republicans, hurrying to reach Ernay, came past the inn without stopping there. The sound of their rapid march brought Goudin and the innkeeper to the door to watch them curiously. All at once the stout ecclesiastic made a dash at a soldier who was lagging behind. Eh, he cried, Goudin, are you really going with the blues? Infatuated boy, do you know what you are about? Yes, uncle, answered the corporal, I have sworn to fight for France. But your soul is in danger, scapegrace cried his uncle, appealing to the religious scruples that are so strong in Breton hearts. Well, uncle, I won't say but that if the king had put himself at the head of his... Idiot, who is talking about the king? Will your republic give preferment? It has upset everything. What kind of career do you expect? Stay with us. We shall triumph some day or other, and then you shall be made councillor to some parliament. A parliament? asked Goudin mockingly. Good-bye, uncle. You shall not have the worth of three louis from me. I shall disinherit you, his uncle called angrily after him. Thanks, said the republican, and they parted. The fumes of cider to which the patriot had treated Cupio while the little troop was passing had succeeded in obscuring the driver's intelligence somewhat, but he brightened up again when the landlord, having learned the upshot of the struggle, brought the news of a victory for the blues. Cupio brought out his coach upon the road again, and they were not long in showing themselves in the bottom of the valley of La Pellerine from the plateaus of men and of brittany both it was easy to see the coach lying in the trough between two great waves like a bit of wreckage after a storm at sea hulot meanwhile had reached the summit of a slope that the blues were climbing la pellerine was still in sight a long way off so he turned to see if the shuans still remained on the spot the sunlight shining on the barrels of their muskets marked them out for him as a little group of bright dots. As he scanned the valley for the last time before quitting it for the valley of Ernay, he thought he could discern Cupio's chariot on the high road. "'Isn't that the Mayenne coach?' he asked of his two comrades, who turned their attention to the old Turgotine and recognized it perfectly well well then how was it that we did not meet it asked hulot as all three looked at each other in silence here is one more enigma he went on but i begin to have an inkling of the truth just at that very instant marche a terre also discovered the turgotine and pointed it out to his comrades a general outburst of rejoicing aroused the young lady from her musings she came forward and saw the coach as it sped up the hillside with luckless haste the miserable turgotine reached the plateau almost immediately 
and the shuans who had hidden themselves once more rushed out upon their prey in greedy haste the dumb traveller slipped down into the bottom of the coach and cowered there trying to look like a package well cried Cupio from the box so you have smelt out the patriot there he has money about him a bag full of gold and as he spoke he pointed out the small farmer only to find that the shuans hailed his remarks with a general roar of laughter and shouts of pimiche 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 in the midst of the hilarity which pimiche himself echoed Cupio came down from the box in confusion. The famous Cibot, alias P. Miche, aided his companion to alight, and a respectful murmur arose. It is the Abbe Goudin, cried several voices. All hats went off at the name, and the Chouans knelt to ask for his blessing, which was gravely given. Then the Abbe clapped P. Miche on the shoulder he would deceive st peter himself and steal away the keys of paradise he cried but for him the blues would have stopped us and seeing the young lady he spoke with her a few paces aside marsh terre adroitly raised the seat of the coach and with ferocious glee extracted a bag which from its shape evidently contained rouleaus of gold he was not long about dividing the spoil there were no disputes for each shuan received his exact share lastly he went up to the lady and the priest and presented them with about six thousand francs can i take this with a clear conscience monsieur goudin the lady asked feeling within her the need of a sanction why not madame in former times did not the church approve the confiscation of protestant goods and we have stronger reasons for despoiling these revolutionaries who deny god plunder churches and persecute religion thereupon the abbe added example to precept and took without scruple the tenth in new coin which Terre offered him however he added i can now dedicate all i have to the service of god and the king my nephew has cast in his lot with the blues cupio was lamenting and bewailed himself for a ruined man come along with us said marcheterre you shall have your share every one will say that i set out to be robbed if i go back again and there are no traces of violence oh if that is all you want said marcheterre he made a sign and a volley of musketry riddled the turgotine the old coach gave a cry so piteous at this salute that the shuans naturally superstitious fell back in alarm save marche a terre who had seen the pale face of the mute traveller as it rose and fell inside there is one more fowl yet in your coop marche a terre said in a low voice to cupio p miche who saw what this meant winked significantly 
yes replied the driver but i made it a condition when i enlisted with you that i was to take this worthy man safe and sound to fougere i promise that in the name of the saint of auray who is he asked p miche i can't tell you that said coupiot let him alone said marche a terre nudging p miche with his elbow he swore by the holy virgin of auray and a promise is a promise but don't be in too great a hurry down the hill the chouan went on addressing coupiot we will catch you up for reasons of our own i want to see the muzzle of that passenger of yours and then we will give him a passport a horse was heard approaching la pelerine at full gallop in a moment the young leader returned and the lady promptly tried to conceal her hand with the bag in it you need not scruple to keep that money he said drawing the lady's arm forward here is a letter for you among those that awaited me at the villetiere it is from your mother he looked from the coach which now descended the hill to the chouans and added in spite of my haste i am too late heaven send that my fears are ill-grounded that is my poor mother's money cried the lady when she had broken the seal of the letter and read the first few lines sounds of smothered laughter came from the woods the young man himself could not help smiling at sight of the lady with a share of the plunder of her own property in her hands she began to laugh herself well i escape without blame for once marquis she said heaven be praised so you take all things with a light heart even remorse the young man asked but she flushed up with such evident contrition that he relented the abbe politely handed to her the tenth he had just received with as good a face as he could put upon it and followed the young leader who was returning by the way he had come the young lady waited behind for a moment and beckoned to marche a terre you must go over towards mortagne she said in a low voice i know that the blues must be continually transmitting large sums of money to alencon for the prosecution of the war i give up to your comrades the money i have lost to-day but i shall expect them to make it up to me and before all things the gar is not to know the reason for this expedition but if anything should go wrong i will pacify him madame the marquis began as she sat behind him en croupe having made over her horse to the abbe our friends in paris are writing to tell us to keep a sharp lookout for the republic means to take us with craft and guile well they might do worse she replied it is not at all a bad idea of theirs i shall take part now in the war and meet the enemy on my own ground faith yes said the marquis pichegru warns me to be on my guard as to friendships of every kind 
the republic does me the honor to consider me more formidable than all the vendeans put together and thinks to get me into its grasp by working on my weaknesses are you going to suspect me she asked tapping his breast with the hand by which she held him close to her would you be there in my heart if i could he said and turned to receive a kiss on his forehead then we are like to run more risks from fouche's police than from regular troops or from countershuans was the abbe's comment your reverence is quite right aha the lady exclaimed so fouche is going to send women against you i am ready for them she added after a brief pause with a deeper note in her voice meanwhile some four gunshots from the lonely plateau which the leaders had just quitted a drama was being enacted of a kind to be common enough on the highways for some time beyond the little village of la pelerine pille miche and marche a terre had again stopped the coach in a place where the road widened out coupio after a feeble resistance came down from the box the taciturn traveller dragged from his hiding-place by the two shuans found himself on his knees in a bush of broom who are you asked marcheterre in threatening tones the traveller did not answer at all till pillemiche recommenced his examination with a blow from the butt-end of his musket then with a glance at coupio the man spoke i am jacques pinot a poor linen-draper coupio seemed to think that he did not break his word by shaking his head p miche acted on the hint and pointed his musket at the traveller while marcheterre deliberately uttered this terrible ultimatum you are a great deal too fat to know the pinch of poverty if we have to ask you for your name again here is my friend pillemiche with his musket ready to earn the esteem and gratitude of your heirs now who are you he asked after a pause i am dorgemont of fougeres ha cried the two chouans i did not betray you monsieur dorgemont said coupio the holy virgin is my witness that i did my best to protect you since you are monsieur dorgemont of fougeres replied marcheterre with a fine affectation of respect of course we must let you go in peace but still as you are neither good chouan nor genuine blue for you it was who bought the property of the abbey of juvigny you are going to pay us three hundred crowns here he seemed to count the number of the party and went on of six francs each neutrality is cheap at the price three hundred crowns of six francs each echoed the unlucky banker in chorus with coupio and pillemiche each one with a different intonation my dear sir i am a ruined man 
he cried this devil of a republic taxes us up to the hilt and this forced loan of a hundred millions has drained me dry how much did your republic want of you a thousand crowns my dear sir groaned the banker thinking to be let off more easily if your republic wrings forced loans out of you to that tune you ought to throw in your lot with us our government will cost you less three hundred crowns isn't your skin worth that where am i to find them in your strong-box said p amiche and no clipped coins mind you or the fire shall nibble your finger ends where am i to pay them over your country house at fougeres is not very far from the farm of gibari where lives my cousin galop chopin otherwise big cibot you will make them over to him said p amiche it is not business urged dorgemont what is that to us said marcheterre mind this if the money isn't paid to galop chopin within a fortnight we will pay you a call and that will cure the gout in your feet if it happens to trouble you as for you coupio he turned to the driver your name in future will be men a bien with that the two shoeins departed the traveller returned to the coach and with the help of coupio's whip they bowled rapidly along to fougere if you had carried arms coupio began we might have defended ourselves better simpleton replied the banker i have ten thousand francs there and he held out his great shoes how is one to show fight with a large sum like that about one Menabien scratched his ear and sent a glance behind him but his new friends were quite out of sight at ernay hulot and his men halted a while to leave the wounded in the hospital in the little town and finally arrived at mayenne without any further annoyance the next day put an end to the commandant's doubts as to the fate of the stage-coach for everybody knew how it had been stopped and plundered a few days after the authorities directed upon mayenne enough patriot conscripts to fill the gaps in hulot's demi-brigade very soon one disquieting rumor followed another concerning the insurrection there was complete revolt at all the points which had been centres of rebellion for Schuans and vendeans in the late war in brittany the royalists had made themselves masters of pontorson thus securing their communications with the sea the little town of st james between pontorson and fougeres had been taken by them and it appeared that they meant to make it their temporary headquarters their central magazine and basis of operations thence they kept up a correspondence with normandy and morbihan in security the royalists of the three provinces were brought into concerted action by subaltern officers dispersed throughout the country who recruited partisans for the monarchy and gave unity to their methods 
exactly similar reports came from la vendee where conspiracy was rife in the country under the guidance of four well-known leaders the counts of fontaine chatillon and Susanet, and the abbe vernal in orne their correspondents were said to be the chevalier de valois the marquis of escrignon and the trois villes the real head and centre of the vast and formidable plan of operations that gradually became manifest was the gare for so the chouans had dubbed the marquis of montauran since his arrival among them hulot's dispatches to his government were found to be accurate on all heads the authority of the newly arrived commander had been recognized at once the marquis had even sufficient ascendancy over the chouans to make them understand the real aim of the war and to persuade them that the excesses of which they had formerly been guilty sullied the general cause which they had embraced the cool courage splendid audacity resource and ability of the young noble were reviving the hopes of the foes of the republic and had excited the sombre enthusiasm of the west to such a pitch that even the most lukewarm were ready to take part in a bold stroke for the fallen monarchy hulot's repeated reports and appeals received no reply from paris some fresh revolutionary crisis no doubt caused the astonishing silence are appeals to the government going to be treated like a creditor's duns said the old chief to his friends are all our petitions shoved out of sight but before long news began to spread of the magical return of general bonaparte and the events of the eighteenth of brumaire then the commanders in the west began to understand the silence of the ministers while they grew impatient of the heavy responsibilities that weighed upon them and eager to hear what steps the new government meant to take great was the joy in the army when it became known that general bonaparte had been nominated first consul of the republic and for the first time they saw a man of their own at the head of affairs france had made an idol of the young general and trembled with hope the capital grown weary of gloom gave itself up to festivities long discontinued the first acts of the consulate abated these hopes no whit and gave liberty no qualms the first consul issued a proclamation to the dwellers in the west bonaparte had one might almost say invented the appeals to the masses which produced such enormous effect in those days of miracles and patriotism a prophetic voice it was which filled the world for victory had never yet failed to follow any proclamation of his inhabitants for the second time an unnatural war has been kindled in the departments of the west 
the authors of these troubles are traitors in the pay of england or marauders who hope to secure their own ends and to enjoy immunity amid civil discords to such men as these the government owes neither consideration nor an explanation of its principles but there are other citizens dear to their country who have been seduced by their artifices to these citizens enlightenment and a knowledge of the truth is due unjust laws have been promulgated and carried into effect the security of citizens and their right to liberty of conscience have been infringed by arbitrary measures citizens have suffered everywhere from mistaken entries on the list of emigrants great principles of social order have been violated the consuls declare that liberty of worship being guaranteed by the constitution the law of the eleventh of prairial year three by which citizens are allowed the use of buildings erected for religious worship shall now be carried into effect the government will pardon previous offences it will extend mercy and absolute and complete indemnity to the repentant but it will strike down any who shall dare after this declaration to resist the national sovereignty well said hulot after a public reading of the consular manifesto could anything be more paternal but for all that you will see that not a single royalist brigand will change his opinion the commandant was right the proclamation only confirmed each one in his adherence to his own side reinforcements for hulot and his colleagues arrived a few days later they were notified by the new minister of war that general brune was about to assume command in the west but in the meanwhile hulot as an officer known to be experienced was entrusted with the departments of the orne and mayenne every government department showed unheard-of energy a circular from the ministry of war and the minister-general of police gave out that active efforts were to be made through the officers in command to stifle the insurrection at its place of origin but by this time the Schuans and vendeans profiting by the inaction of the republic had aroused the whole country and made themselves masters of it so a new consular proclamation had to be issued this time the general spoke to his troops soldiers all who now remain in the west are marauders or emigrants in the pay of england the army numbers more than sixty thousand heroes let me learn soon that the rebel leaders exist no longer glory is only to be had at the price of fatigue who would not acquire it if it were to be gained by stopping in town quarters soldiers no matter what your rank in the army the gratitude of the nation awaits you 
to be worthy of that gratitude you must brave the inclemency of the seasons frost and snow and the bitter cold of winter nights you must surprise your enemies at daybreak and destroy those wretches who disgrace the name of frenchmen let the campaign be short and sharp show no mercy to the marauders and preserve strict discipline among yourselves national guards add your efforts to those of the troops of the line if you know of any partisans of the bandits among yourselves arrest them let them nowhere find a refuge from the soldier who pursues them and should traitors dare to receive and protect them let both alike perish what a fellow cried hulot it is just as it used to be in italy first he rings the bells for mass and then he goes and says it isn't that plain speaking yes but he speaks for himself and in his own name said gerard who began to feel some concern for the results of the eighteenth of brumaire eh, saint garit what does it matter isn't he a soldier cried merle a few paces away some soldiers had made a group about the placard on the wall as no one among them could read they eyed it some with curiosity others with indifference while one or two looked out for some passing citizen who should appear scholar enough to decipher it what does that scrap of paper mean now Clédecaire? asked beaupier banteringly it is quite easy to guess said Clédecaire. everybody looked up at these words for the usual comedy to begin between the two comrades now look here went on Clédecaire, pointing to a rough vignette at the head of the proclamation where a pair of compasses had in the past few days replaced the plumb-line level of seventeen ninety three that means that we soldiers will have to step out that's why the compasses are open it's an emblem no my boy you can't come the scholar over us that thing is called a problem i served once in the artillery he added and that was what my officers fairly lived on it's an emblem a problem let us lay a bet on it what will you stake your german pipe done no offence to you sir said Clédecaire to gerard but isn't that an emblem and not a problem it is both the one and the other said gerard gravely he was musing as he prepared to follow hulot and merle the adjutant is laughing at us said beaupier that paper says that our general in italy has been made consul which is a fine promotion and we are all to have new caps and shoes end of section five